Welcome. Welcome to the First Capital Vineyard Podcast. In this season, we're exploring our faith journeys and stories. Everyday Christians with extraordinary tales of hope, faith, and love. Our stories make us who we are. They are a powerful means of encountering and sharing Jesus and His kingdom. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Kia ora tato, listeners. Welcome to the fourth episode of Mago Day. On this week's episode, I'll be talking to my mate and longtime um, CVA Kirk Hodgson about his journey. But before we get there, I just thought I'd put an idea out there um, to you, the listener. It's a pretty simple idea, and it's just to make the podcast more interactive. But I thought it would be really cool if people could post words of encouragement to that week's guest. And um, possibly even more, like uh, prophetic insight into their life. Just to give encouragement, because that's the whole purpose of this podcast. And the way I thought we could do that is pretty simple. You could just write them on the Facebook link on the CV um, page on Facebook. And then I would feed back that awesome good stuff at the beginning of each new episode but without further ado let's listen to kirk hey bro how's it going good brother yeah no it's been been well even during these strange times yeah how's the lockdown been treating you uh it's been odd i think it's definitely thrown my like rhythm and i've discovered how much I'm a, a person who appreciates rhythm um but that said I've also felt like I've kind of got more and more used to it um as it's gone on so um I kind of feel like I feel good but yeah I definitely think I will struggle when I have to go back to work and reset my body clock once more <laughs> yeah I must admit I've been enjoying um the sleep-ins for sure. I've needed them, I must say, actually. <laughs> yeah, in some ways it's like um, the perfect holiday because you don't have to do... Um, uh, maybe I shouldn't be saying this. People might get upset. <laughs> but like, um, although there's lots to do, like it's also like I found it quite peaceful in some ways. Mm, there's like a freedom around how you go about doing what you need to do rather than sitting at a desk or what have you for that specified eight hours but yeah yeah exactly yeah um so yeah we're just going to run through like the normal um questions and i guess we'll crack on and just start from the beginning like and so yeah how did you come to know the lord um so i guess context for me is i I grew up in what I would probably call a Christian family, um, but that was a kind of dynamic uh, description, I suppose, um, where at times that felt more real than others. But um, so, I mean, we kind of grew up going to, to church and uh, Sunday school and bits and pieces. Um, and then 
I remember my dad got a job in Melbourne that we all moved over for. And uh, I think I think we started checking out a church when we were there. I must have been about uh, six at the time, so I've got a pretty um, vague memory of it. But I remember we probably thinking about it. We probably didn't go for that long, and then when we moved back to New Zealand, we definitely weren't going to church again after having moved back. Um, and I think that was probably just a a reflection of um, what my folks would um, describe as probably just a dry spell for themselves and kind of not feeling motivated to be in church. Um, and so through my prime or later primary and all of most of my high school years, we weren't going to church at all, um, which I almost reflect on and go and think of that as a good thing um, in the sense that it meant when I had an encounter with God, it it felt like it was something that I had discovered for myself. Like I hadn't just been going through the routines as a um, teenager. Um, I'm probably skipping ahead a little bit at that point. But um, so I remember when I would have been 16, I think my brother had been invited to go along to one of the um, Baptist Easter camps, which I'm sure everyone has as part of their story as a teenager, if you grew up in New Zealand. Um, but so he, he went along with a friend and then the following, or well, he kind of came back really excited about it and he was going along to youth group and bits and pieces um, afterwards. And then the following year invited myself. Um, and so I went along as well. And this was through a connection, um, through a family friend back from when my parents had uh, gone to Miramar Baptist Church's um, youth group when they were kids. And so through that family friend and their their kids, we ended up going to this Baptist camp. So there was quite, it was quite a, a cool connection how it was through my parents' youth group days that that somehow kind of tied into us now being involved and going along to these camps and bits and pieces as part of that same church you know, 30 years later. Um, so this kind of, I don't know, it kind of ties in quite, quite cool. But um, yeah, so I remember going along to this Easter camp and I don't remember having a moment. I think a lot of people have this, this clear moment or memory of um, something happening that changed it. Um, and I, I never had that, but I... I think retrospect, or at, at the time I knew something was happening, um, but it was more that something started to change from that point on, that I had seen something and heard something that was attractive to me. Um, and yeah, and so I guess I, from that point, I just got more involved in going along to youth group and trying to learn and understand and you know, I remember, even though I say I grew up in a, a Christian home, I remember going to youth groups and they would go, oh, what's this? You know, John 3.16, and I didn't even know that stuff. So I was starting from very bare bones, but um, but was, yeah, just drawn to to Jesus. And um, so, yeah, I guess that was, that was the start of things. And I would have been about 17 at the time. 
Um, you said you, yeah, you kind of said you were attracted to Jesus, but can you like unpack that a little bit more? Like, what was it that, um, yeah, kind of drew you in? Um, I guess, I guess my worldview, having grown up in what I would say was a loosely Christian household, meant that I kind of had a a frame of reference where I believed in God, um, even though that had no bearing on my thought life or, um, you know, how I held myself in the world or in school or anything like that. But it was sitting there in, in the background, I guess. And so I guess when I heard the story and heard the message in a way where all of a sudden, well, not, maybe not all of a sudden, but it, it kind of made sense. Like I, I understood that if if this stuff was real, which I already believed it was, then Jesus dying for us on the cross changes everything. And I think that was the point where I could, it was almost like a, a, an awakening to, um, to the message where if I was to hold these beliefs as true, then, and it's, it's not like a, um, I decided, well, therefore I must. But having said that, you do just act out of what you believe, right? So um, so the fact that it all of a sudden made sense um, and you see the sacrifice and you see the beauty of the cross and, you know, this God that wants a relationship with us, you kind of... It was almost like I couldn't help myself. There was no cognizant decision so much on my part, but just a, almost this like being wooed and drawn in um, was probably how I would describe that. I'm not sure if that answers your question entirely, but... Yeah, no, that does. Um, yeah. So you, you're like a um, actually quite an old teenager, really, like mm. what sort of started to so you've had you've grown up in the church but then you've gone to youth group and you've been attracted to Jesus like what what sort of things start to change for you like what sort of person were you before and like did it have any like immediate impact on like who you were after or anything like that mm. yeah so i guess before that time I think I had probably what I would just describe as a, a normal teenage life with the same normal teenage anxieties that most teenagers go through. You know, am I, am I liked? Am I cool enough? Do, do people want to hang out with me? Do, do I like myself? Um, you know, all of these sorts of, um, concerns and anxieties. Um, and I think going going into that I probably probably looked at like the the in quotes cool kids at school and wanted um to be accepted by them um and probably started mimicking their behavior a wee bit in terms of just like you know talking down at other people that you deemed as less cool or um what have you and I think for me it was just an insecurity where I wanted to be liked and so I kind of just my character didn't look so great um in order to just 
be accepted or what have you. Um, and so I think for me, the big, big difference when I got involved in church and was, you know, going through this um, new journey and this new understanding and this new um, way of life was that all of a sudden my identity shifted. You know, it was, it wasn't derived from what other people thought of me, but it, it was like, well, what does God think of me? Um, and the messaging that I was hearing was that, that God loves us, you know, and that he's created us beautiful and, um, that, yeah, we are good creations, you know? Um, and so what others thought of me started to have far less and less of an impact. Um, and because this other voice, you know, which I guess, um, at the time I wouldn't have called it the voice of the Lord, but it is like, um, you know, this, this soft whisper, this like undercurrent that the gospel brought into my life, which was far more, um, I guess loud in, in a sense, um, that the rest of it kind of just became meaningless and, you know, so I wasn't going to, to parties by the time I was like 17 and 18, I was going to church on a Friday night instead. Um, and that certainly wasn't the cool thing to do, but I'd know that didn't even, whether it was cool or not, no longer registered anymore. Um, in fact, I remember my youth pastor at the time, um, she even called me out one day and she's like, oh, you're such a bully, Kirk. Um, and it was interesting. She probably didn't realize that that had an impact on me at the time, but realized she was right. Um, so yeah, I think there was a lot of identity stuff shifting, um, and God softening me and helping me to see more clearly how my actions or my, um, insecurities impacted not only myself, but others around me as well. Um, yeah, so there's some pretty significant shifts and I think it probably all just bruise down to my identity was reformed during that that time over a course of a few years slash still ongoing today but <laughs> yeah so um from there like did you head off to university and like um you know what's were there any sort of ups and downs in your um faith over the coming years yeah um so I guess in, so it would have been my seventh form or year 13, I can't remember which, you, what one do they call it now these days? 13. Either or, 13, okay, so it was year 13, <laughs> um, and I remember, I guess at this point my, a lot of my beliefs were quite new or naive, and so I, I guess I was doing biology at school, and my teacher happened to believe or like happened to be a Christian, although I had no idea, I guess, but it was like, oh, you know, all of this like evolution stuff is just a theory. And, um, she ended up giving me some, some books about like a seven day creation, um, using what I now kind of understand is pretty shoddy science. But, <laughs> um, but I think there was definitely a part of me which thought I had to change a lot of what I thought about a lot of things um, that weren't really a gospel thing, but they're all these peripheral understandings that, you know, we can still have endless debates about to this day. But um, I think I thought that I had to 
believe in evolution to be a Christian. And so I was kind of trying to struggle to wrap my head around that throughout university as well, um, which was kind of an interesting process because I remember at the end of high school wanting to do architecture um, for no real reason. I think in hindsight I would have been terrible at it. Um, but I remember being having just the sense, and I don't know where it came from because I'd never had it before, um, to do environmental studies at university um and even thinking about that now I'm like where did that come from like I can't think of any backdrop or what have you where that that stemmed from but it's one of the few times in my life that I felt a real like call to make a 180 decision on that was to go away from this one thing and move toward this other thing and that meant at university studying more about um uh, biology and kind of having this, um, I guess, odd tension that I had in my, my mind, um, about, you know, having to try and conform my beliefs to one way whilst being taught another, um, which was a wee bit of a process, but, um, the outcome of that was that, well, yeah, there's a whole big argument there still to be had, um, whether or not you can be a Christian and believe in evolution or what have you. I happen to fall on that position now, um, understanding that, you know, the gospel has nothing to do with how God created the world, but it's simply that he did create it. But so I guess, um, regardless of where we fall on that, the the process of trying to to... I guess the narrative that I was trying to reconcile my faith with the world that I saw around me and how does that um, work together was one that, um, yeah, started a really um, big and um, influential journey for me. Um, and partway through my studies, um, I'd gone on a mission trip to uh, Mexico as well. And that kind of, that wrecked me, I think, in terms of my worldview or my bubble as a I suppose a probably upper upper class white family um living in a white wealthy neighborhood um going to somewhere where you're working in a slum changes you in profound ways um and so I came back from that and added on to my studies um uh what do we call it <laughs> um development studies as well so how do we um you know, see development in both the uh, context of the the West and then developing nations, um, and what does that look like geopolitically, and what have you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so that was probably an extension of how my faith and then my conviction and uh, led me to to study differently. So that added an extra year to my um, study to my degree, but um. Yeah, it was probably just another one of those things where God showed me something and I couldn't help but respond um, with that. So, so yeah, it was kind of a, I guess, university in my young adult years were pretty, um, yeah, it was just that continuation of what had happened in, in high school where things were shifting, my understanding of the world was shifting and 
um, what faith meant and how that was practiced just kept evolving, I guess. Um, yeah. So I definitely came out of university quite quite different, challenged, um, grown, um, believed some different things that I, when I went into it. Um, but yeah. So how did you end up making coffee? Um, yeah, so it's odd because I still really value the study that I did, even though I haven't um, specifically used it um, in a professional um, way, so to speak. Um, uh, so I basically through uh, studying, I was just working um, in a cafe to, you know, pay pay my rent and um, expenses and bits and pieces. But um, I don't know. I'm kind of one of those sorts of people that are a little bit nerdy, and so whatever I start doing, I do as well as I can. Um, and so I ended up becoming quite quite good at uh, making coffee, and I did a few competitions and bits and pieces. And then uh, Scotty Reeve, who I understand some people listening will remember um, from back when he was young and at Vineyard, but he... He was running a youth organization uh, called Zeal um, in the city, and they had taken some young people over to Mexico on the same trip that I had been on. So we kind of formed a relationship through that. Um, and in his last sort of couple of years at Zeal, he had approached me about um, a cafe that would um, exist basically to um, work with young people um, in the city and help them um, transition into employment and kind of do uh, youth work and sort of help um, yeah young people from all sorts of um, backgrounds and just kind of like feed into them a, a new narrative about um, their lives which often is quite contrasted to the ones they hear through um, their peers or their schooling or their parents and whatnot so um, so yeah, it was almost, it was just an invitation really that he went, Hey, you're the sort of person with the sort of character, um, that we believe using this model, we can transform the lives of young people, um, in Wellington. So, um, yeah, so I remember feeling at the time, like, surely I'm not the right person for this. Surely there's someone more qualified in both, um, coffee running a shop which I'd never done before um and also youth work which I'd never done to um I guess a professional level like I'd done youth work in a in a church setting but that's very um I don't know there's not really much of a standard basically it meant like if you were happy to volunteer stacking chairs then you were all of a sudden called a youth worker um <laughs> and I guess working through an organization taught me that there's a, a whole lot more to that um that yeah, professional development and um, youth development actually has a a whole lot to it. Um, and so, yeah, so anyway, I kind of felt um, like I was surely inadequate at that. Um, and then just over over time, over a period of a few, few weeks or a month um, after that sort of, that seed of the idea had been planted, um, kind of, sense that God was saying well actually if who who better to do it than you you know like I understood the co-papa um and the the mission um 
and I had the skill set to do it. And, um, you know, whatever you aren't equipped with, you become equipped with um, through doing it and through training and what have you. So eventually kind of felt, um, I don't know if courage is the right word, but felt that I just needed to, to say yes to the invitation. Um, so, yeah, so it was a bit left left a field but um yeah that's kind of how i ended up working in in hospitality and um youth work which yeah kind of takes us through to today almost So I guess taking a bit of a sidestep, like how would you, through all of these different things that you've been through in life, like how, how would you say you um, experience like the presence of the Lord or, or how do you think you hear from the Lord? Um, yeah, anything that really sticks mm. out for you in that respect? Yeah, um, I feel like in... Basically, from the, the get-go, um, you know, through those um, Baptist camps and getting involved in youth group and that, I was always really drawn to worship um, and music. Uh, and as someone who is, and I, you could attest to this, who is quite, um, almost emotionally looks quite, level or almost dead to his emotions sometimes um the worship was always this thing that um would open up the waterworks for me um and less so now but it still has this really profound um value and impact um for me and how I um experience um god so uh yeah so worship has always been one of those things um I've always found uh, nature um, as a way of experiencing God. Like I remember watching DVDs on, you know, the universe and the stars and all this thing and just how profoundly enormous creation is and that God cares about these minute things as well as these just enormous things that he's created. Um, you know, I guess for in some sense for no other reason than just because he could and he enjoys and um, enjoys to create and continues to enjoy to create. So um, creation was always one of those things that helped me, I guess, slow down um, and experience God. Um, and it still has that impact today, although to be fair, I probably don't foster it as much as I ought to. Um, and... Then I guess the other thing for me would probably be um, social justice um, type things. So um, 
I've always found, yeah, I've always had this um, sense of justice, you know, that when I, I guess my perception of justice is broken, that, you know, like part of my, my heart or my being is, you know, um, torn by that stuff. And so, um, yeah, and a lot of that was through, actually, to be fair, probably some of that was um, through going to, to places like Mexico, which kind of um, awakened that stuff in me. Um, and, yeah, and then the sorts of people I've surrounded myself with as well who kind of continue to just open your eyes to um, different things going on. Um, and, yeah, and like I, I guess I said um, earlier, it was one of those things where if God created a world um, that was meant to be good and we're meant to be part of this um, new creation, then then justice is just the natural outworking of that stuff. And so it was never a thing that I felt I had to 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 do, so to speak, in like a disciplinary sense. But it was always just this thing where you're just drawn or you just you have to respond because it just that's the logical conclusion. Um not in a heady sense, but just, you know, if that's how things are, then, you know, I, I guess the best way of putting it is that we, we act out of what we actually believe. And so if we actually believe that um, that creation is meant to be a certain way and that justice is the way things ought to be, then the natural conclusion of that is that you act in a way that lines up with your belief. So, um, yeah. And I think through that, I've definitely felt more of like the heart of God as well that's probably how I've experienced um his heart for um his world and his people um probably the most whereas the worship and creation thing has probably been more for as a way of God speaking more to me um if that makes sense yeah so I mean I know I think I'm a bit like because I know quite a bit about you like I know mm. lots of the um you know, even being involved in Zeal and at the coffee shop all ties in with that passion for, like, mm. justice and what have you. But, uh, you know, like, I've also seen that in the bands that you've been in as well. So, like, um, is there anything else that, you know, you've had an outlet for that kind of social justice or that that kind of side of your relationship with God? Um, I guess those things that you've already named probably are the main, main outlets. Um, I mean, we had a conversation about this recently where, or maybe not specifically about this, but it, it came to the, the forefront that I'm quite, uh, a missional type person. Like I kind of can't sit back and twiddle my thumbs or be distracted by, I don't know, um, rents and mortgages and trying to climb a ladder and all that stuff like to me I just I I mean I say I couldn't care less and in a sense that's true um you know not to say I don't think there's any value in in that but um but in the the broad scheme of the, the arc of history like I that stuff is just so meaningless to me and so um in my 
I've actually done a wee bit of work on like sort of um, personality types and the Enneagram and things like this, which has helped me give me a language to help to understand myself um, and my drivers. And um, so I guess through my, my work is probably an extension of how I, I act. So as if, if anyone's familiar with strengths finders, um, so my number one strength according to this um, thing is, is belief. And which I always thought was super weird because, you know, it didn't have this like um, pragmatic outworking or what have you. And it was kind of a bit more airy fairy, which for someone like me felt a little bit like I'd been cheated and, you know, my strengths weren't even strengths. But um, I've come to come to understand that basically my the fact that I'm driven by my beliefs means that I can't go off and do a job that doesn't in some way line up with how I believe the world is or ought to be. Um, you know, I would, I would have to compartmentalize too much of my, myself to do that. Um, and so I've always been drawn to things which I can, I can see in the scope of, um, my life having an impact, um, and things like that. Otherwise I just kind of can't be bothered. And so, yeah, I guess that's how I've kind of ended up doing the things that I have. Um, is yeah, I just believe that they've got an impact. So yeah, so a lot of a lot of my missional stuff um, does come through my work, um, and then yeah, reading and understanding, and you know, I guess trying to keep up to date with um, current affairs. I think that that line I can't remember who it's attributed to. I'm sure it was one of the people in the, you can probably tell me better actually um the reformers era um but the idea of having a bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other um you know that in as much as we understand our faith um if we understand our world then we know how to apply our faith and so when it comes to um that justice bent in me it does mean kind of going actually what what does our faith demand of us to respond um, to these times, what have you? Um, so whether that be, uh, you know, how do we treat um, refugees or foreigners um, versus, or even, I guess, even with COVID-19, like how do we love our neighbours in, in a time where we can't um, physically meet with them? Um, I guess those are the sorts of questions that kind of ruminate in my mind. Um, yeah. Yeah, sweet. That makes a lot of sense. Like, as an outsider looking in, I see you as kind of like a person that takes action, like, and um, kind of, you know, you're always kind of like, oh, well, we believe this, so we should do these things. And, like, um, I think you're really diligent at kind of, you know, whatever you apply yourself to, you go full on into it and do it to like the best of your abilities, which I think mm. is like a really cool attribute. Mm. Yeah. And it's taken me time to, I think, come to terms with that. Like I think um, there are moments where that's made me angry. Like I think there's a sense in justice where the, there's this like undercurrent of anger that motivates you. Um, and I think sometimes I've, I've kind of bought the, 
you know, in quotation, the the Christian lie that anger is a bad thing. And I think sometimes I, I bought into that was I've come to understand that that if, you know, I guess if we take, um, you know, one of the things that's um, really important to me is if the, if the environment or like if creation is something that God has created and said is good and then has left us to, to care for, then when we see, you know, our societies or our um, behaviors or our systemic stuff that, that degrades that or hinders that or um, infringes on our ability to do that, then there is a sense um, in which um, I feel like there's this sort of righteous anger um, that goes, oh, that's just not how things are meant to be. And, you know, we should take action to do that. And so I think anger is a really um, motivating um, thing that causes us to to move and um, not be complacent. Um, uh, but that said, you've also got to um, learn to balance that and not take that anger out on people in a way which um, I guess discredits um, the good things that can come out of that as well Um, because at the same time I've also got to be loving and patient with people who may not yet be on the same page as me or may may never be as well so um, there's a a tension to be held there. Yeah absolutely and I guess that's like um, you know like it's part of knowing God's heart like and the issues that Mm. like grieve him and like sometimes um a bit frustration and discontentment is and yeah anger is like part of that feeling of God's heart so Mm. yeah makes complete sense Mm. yeah um yeah it's, it's funny how it takes a lot of time sometimes for God to to reveal those things to you um and to um, almost like make holy these things that you've kind of discarded or, or you know, sometimes I think we we can kind of resent ourselves or, oh, why am I like this and why am I like that? And, you know, there might be some ways in which, you know, our character does need work on, but often God's... Um, helping us to be that best version of ourselves and that sometimes you know like our personality can actually be a part of that and I think we are created in a way which is um unique and and so I guess it's not calling yeah choosing not to um diminish what God has called good and actually let him call those things forth and I think sometimes that's a real process of letting almost myself get out of the way of that and go, actually, God has created me in a certain way. How do I partner with him to reform that to be the best version of me that that can be rather than trying to be someone else that you perceive as being more godly when they've just got a different personality or they're created different, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think one way that I've come to think about this is that your greatest strengths can often be your greatest weaknesses as well. So, for Mm, example, um, I know in my life that I can be a great encouragement to people, but then when I let, like, when I'm not um, functioning through God and, you know, I'm, if you want, like, acting evilly, like, my my, um, voice can become like a weapon. You know, and it mm. can be like a very negative thing. 
So mm, it's sort definitely. of like, you know, like, uh, yeah, so your greatest gifts can also be like, they need to be tamed and like reined in mm. and, um, yeah, used for the kingdom, I guess. Like it's mm. it's the same with all gifts, you know, like you've got gifts with music. It can be used for anything you want. It can mm. be used for the kingdom or it can be used for your own like gratitude, you know? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to ag- agree too much about um, your weaknesses just then. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, so totally. That that principle I think you're, you're um, dead right about is that, yeah, our, our strengths and our weaknesses can often stem from a, a very similar um, place um, and working out which is which. Um, yeah. Um, I guess just, uh, I think you've covered probably most of this already, but I guess the final question is what really makes you tick in terms of the kingdom and, um, you know, what do you really want to see happen? Um, mm. Yeah, I guess, go. Yeah. Um, I think... No, I think I think it's a really good question, and I probably I've probably been talking around it rather than to it specifically. Um, but yeah, I guess my desire is just for for the kingdom and all that that looks like, or all that I understand that to look like at this stage, you know. So, um, I guess yeah, if, if I believe that God created the world and called it good. And that he's wanting to redeem it and restore it um, to something that is um, good once more, then, then I guess we just have to ask ourselves: Well, what what does good look like, and what does God tell us that good is? Um, and so, yeah, and I think that means certain things for us as individuals, um, you know. And for I guess in in my life, an example of what that looked like was understanding where my identity came from, you know, and so that God's goodness in that sense looked like a healing of my identity. Um, but then I guess we've also got, um, there's a socio um, or political or um, geographical element to those things as well. You know, what does what does God's goodness look like um, politically? You know, does it look like... Um, serving one another or does it you know look like um serving ourselves or um you know if if there's hunger in the world does that line up with um the kingdom you know or does it not you know i think we'd all agree that hunger doesn't line up with it and so um yeah i guess god wants his creation to be living in a fullness or a you know in the harmony that he created it and with the shalom and a peace and that when people experience the love of God that you know it changes everything like I just think it it changes everything there's nothing that that doesn't change um even if that process is slow for us um over time it it changes it all and so I guess that's the that's the un, that's the why behind the things that I've been talking about is what does the kingdom look like and how do we live in shalom with both ourselves, with our neighbors, with God and with his creation. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wicked. So like a holistic view of the kingdom, not just 
not just um, what uh, the kingdom can do for us individually, but like thinking about what it means for creation and all of society. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, uh, we again, we talked about this the other day as well, but I, I will personally have a leaning to which one of those aspects I have a, I guess, a more am drawn to or, you know, work out of more naturally. Um, and I think for me, those more social aspects would be where I find myself functioning in more effortlessly. Um, but when it comes to putting in the the quiet times with um, God and myself and, you know, looking at that stuff on a more personal level, that's where I've probably got to be a bit more diligent because that's where I'll slip otherwise. But, yeah, so I think, like you just said, like understanding that holistic aspect, that it's it's all kind of yes and and both. You know, it includes it all as um, something to, to keep reminding myself on, on, reminding myself of, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, thanks for talking. Like, it's been really cool. And um, Yeah, no worries. Yeah, I enjoy the rest of your night. Will do. Anyway, thanks for that, bro. Um, bless you. You're doing good work. Thanks. <laughs>